what I'd just like to say is that for, for anybody um, who is out there and working with horses and whatever the capacity is, just keep trying no matter what, um, keep going. And even when things don't seem to be going the right way, just keep pushing and, um, and, and everything will come around. And I know that sounds a little bit Zen-like, but it, it just does. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way the sport goes. It has its ups and downs and we just have to keep staying positive and keep um, lifting each other up. You know, everyone be supportive of each other. Welcome to the Practical Horseman podcast, featuring conversations with prospective riders, industry leaders, and horse care experts. The show is co-hosted by Practical Horseman editors, and our goal is to inform, educate, and inspire. I'm Julia Murphy, and this week's episode is with top show jumper Heather Caristo Williams. Heather grew up riding with her parents, Ralph and Holly Caristo, on Long Island, New York. Her career began early as she won the lead line at Devon Horse Show at just four years old. Throughout her youth, Heather continued her success in the pony divisions and in the hunters. She racked up three USHJA national champion titles, as well as champion in 15 national hunter derbies. She also placed sixth in the 1994 AHSA medal final and fifth in the 1995 Washington Equitation Classic. Also in 1995, she won her first of many gold medals on the North American Young Riders team, which fueled her desire to one day be a part of a Nations Cup team. Her hard work and dedication paid off when she represented the United States on Nations Cup teams in Canada, Sweden, and Portugal. Present day, Heather continues to compete at the top level, as well as train horses and teach students at her family's Glenview Stables, which is based in Saugerties, New York in the summer, and Wellington, Florida in the winter. Before we dive into the podcast with Heather, I'd like to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, Purina, and share their message. The PhD equine nutritionists at Purina Animal Nutrition tackle problems using science and their love of horses keeps them at it until they get it right. Even with the most established feeds, they keep innovating. Even when it takes years of research, they don't stop until it's right. They are dedicated to the scientific method, but it can't capture the feeling of seeing a horse reach their full potential. It takes science and love to help your horses live their best life. Put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. Now, enjoy the episode with Heather. So just to get started so I can get a better feel for you and that our so our listeners can get a better feel for you, I always like to find out how our guests got interested in horses and riding to begin with. All right. Well, that's kind of an easy one for me because my family has a barn. Um, so I was literally born uh, onto a horse. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was riding before I could walk. My father is a trainer and my mother was a professional rider and trainer, although now she's an amateur. Um, so it was sort of uh, in my blood and um, presented as soon as I entered the world. <laughs> uh, likewise, my, my mom was a rider before I was born too. She always likes to joke I was on my 
first horse before I even knew it because she rode when I, when she was pregnant, you know. <laughs> My mom said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Um, so when in your, I know you said, you know, you've been riding since before you can remember, but when in your lifetime did you start like taking lessons and getting really more like serious about it? And then when did you get into more of competing and showing and all of that? Um, I remember when I was younger and I had just gotten into the small ponies and my sister, my sister Lynn and my mother Holly, they were, they were at the barn and they were very prominent in the barn in that time in my life. And she was, both of them were teaching quite a bit. And I remember so clearly that I, I wanted to just show and I came off, um, I came off the school bus and I was like, I don't know if I really want to ride today. I think I just want to show. And my mom said, no, you show when you lesson. Mm -hmm. And I remember that. And I really took that to heart because I knew that if I wanted to get into the show ring, I had to take lessons. And I started at a young age and, and my sister Lynn and my mother, Holly, they, they would teach me after school. And I knew that I had to take it seriously in order to be able to have the privilege of riding and showing. So that was my end result. So I, I knew that was the way I had to get to it. And when you were getting lessons from your, your sister and your mom, was that at Thomas's? I'm just curious. No, um, I, I really only attended Thomas's for summer camp. Oh um, yeah, me too. <laughs> before, before I ended up um, riding a little bit more um, seriously in terms of going to the shows with my parents, when I was younger and they would they would go to the away shows and I would stay home with my grandparents or my sisters, um, that's when I would go to Thomas's. And I, I loved that time at Thomas's because mm -hmm. I learned the parts of the horse, the parts of the bridle, the different types of horses. And um, it was just such a nice all-encompassing um, education with horses and, and just being an equestrian in general. And it was just such a phenomenal start and it was so much fun. So we were learning and, and we didn't even necessarily know it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember doing all the games, like sticking the, the post-it notes on the horses to <laughs> get oh, yeah, exactly. over their anatomy and, yeah, you know, and the little scavenger hunts and it just, mm -hmm. you know, you get different pieces of the bridle and then have to put the bridle back together. Yep. And it was, it was a really great way to grow up. Yeah. And you know, uh, did you hear the news that they closed their doors after all these years? No, I didn't hear yeah. that. Just recently in the past month, I'm not really sure what came to it. Eventually, I think the property was bought um, and I'm not really sure what the plans for it are, but I mean, so many decades of teaching people and just, incredible experiences but yeah unfortunately their doors are closed for oh, now at least that's sad but, well hopefully um you know maybe someone will take it over and and bring it back again yeah that's the hope fingers crossed <laughs> so i guess we'll have to see what the future has in store for thomas's um but just to get back into your horse history so um what is it after all of these years that has kept you involved in the sport and just so passionate about horses I just, I just love them. I just love horses and I love the connection that we have with them. I mean, they don't need to do any of the stuff that they do for us. 
and the fact that they do is um, is pretty remarkable. So I have so much respect for them um, as an animal and and an athlete, and being able to work with them on a daily basis is is really something special. It really is, and there's no like denying. You know, I, I get that answer a lot. Just just you can't deny your love for them. You know, they try so hard for us. They do their best for us every day. And it's really what keeps us in the game just because we love them so much. What's really fun for me is I I tend to get a lot of young horses and then bring them along. So it's it's really awesome to be able to bring them out every day and try to teach them something new, see what they've learned or, or what resonated with them from a different time that I rode them or what I need to work on again. And just really developing the relationship with them over the years, because as much as I would like to say that I buy these young horses to resell, most of the time I end up keeping them because the rapport that you develop with them is just something that you can't buy. So mm -hmm. I appreciate spending that time with them. And then however many years later, knowing when I go in the ring, what to expect and how they're going to respond and what I can do to hopefully get the desired outcome. It's really amazing bringing the young ones up. And like you said, just building that rapport with them. I'm actually going through the same thing right now. My parents were, um, my mom bred a horse out of my mare that I did the juniors on and he's four now. And when he was uh, three, my parents were kind enough to give me the ride on him. And they sent me, has sent him down here to Georgia for me to bring up. And I've had him for about, um, I don't know, seven months now. And even in just in the seven months I've had him, you know, just seeing the change and the growth in them. And then, you know, it's kind of funny you mentioned, you, you know, you're always like, oh, yeah, I'll train them, then I sell them, but then you get so attached to them. It's like, <laughs> how can I possibly let them go, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Just amazing. And, you, you you know, you put in so much time and effort and mm -hmm. and love. And to to sell that, it's really hard to put a price tag on it. It really is. Um, and, yeah, that kind of was with this horse that I have kind of like – underlying um understanding that you know when he got older and he was trained that I'd sell him and now it's every day it's like I'm like mom I don't know if I can do it and she's like yeah we knew you'd never be able to do it you know she's <laughs> laughing at me because you just get too attached to them it's so hard to let them go it's it's so true and you know even if you even if you were to let them go you know the the money that you would get would be would not be able to replace the years um, of of a partnership that you've developed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I mostly end up keeping my my baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my my family, like I mentioned, they're up not far from you in Saugerties, and they have a farm on their property, and they basically have every horse that we've ever had over our lifetime because we can never let any of them go. We just, Aww. you know, they've become so special. So I totally, mm -hmm. totally understand. <laughs> so nice, though, because then they're, you know, they're part of the family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they all get to be retired and fat and happy in the field. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. But um, going back to you, so I, you mentioned your mother a little earlier and your father is a very successful horseman as well. Um, so I was wondering if you could share how they have influenced your riding career over the years. 
I mean, my writing career is everything because of them. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my dad worked really hard to be able to afford, um, good, good horses for me and ponies for me to, to start out on and then to learn with and grow with. Um, and then my mom helped a lot with the background work with them. And, um, even if some of them were a little bit difficult, she would help me ride them. And, you know, then my dad would have me jump a course on the weekend or something like that. And in my junior career, I mean, I, I did whatever shows they wanted to do. I just sort of followed whatever circuit they were doing. Um, you know, as a junior, that's what you do with your trainers. And mm -hmm. I mean, really everything that I have become or any achievements that I've I've had I really owe to them because I wouldn't be anywhere where I am and I know I still have a long way to go but I am so appreciative of the background they gave me um and the animals that they were able to match me with um for better or for worse sometimes I had ones that were really challenging but then you know they always tried to have me on one that was fancy enough that if I if I rode well, that I could be in there, um, in the ribbons, which is always mm -hmm. nice too. And I'm also curious, besides your mom and your dad, do you have any other mentors from your riding career from, you know, a young age, even until now that have really affected your, your riding path? I have had, um, the opportunity to work with a lot of different professionals um, I, although I haven't necessarily quote unquote ridden with them because of how prominent my parents are in the business, I have had, um, I have been able to have some lessons with, with a lot of great riders and, you know, BZ Madden, um, Michael Matz, um, Todd Minicus. And, and as a young rider, I was even able to uh, the, the USCT used to have, um, I think they still do actually, they used to bring in different riders and do a clinic. So I had the opportunity to ride with Michel Robert from France wow. and Uli Kirchhoff, the gold medalist from the, the Olympics. Um, so I've, anytime an opportunity like that presented itself, I really tried to jump on it. And I am really lucky, like I said, that my parents, you know, having the background that they do in the sport, that I was able to work with some of these really incredible professionals. And I, I apologize to other professionals if they're listening to this that I have been able to work with and I'm, I'm not mentioning it. I, I feel like there are a lot of them and I, and I apologize for leaving them out, but I, I, <laughs> all the names are eluding me at this moment in oh, time. Yeah. Just know that anyone that I had the opportunity to work with really, um, helped shape me and I, I take something mm -hmm. from everyone. Mm -hmm. And so now that we've touched on some influential people in your riding career, what about influential horses during your lifetime? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, I guess because my heart is in the jumper ring. So I'm going to just go ahead and talk about cliffhanger. Um, <laughs> I, we got him from Todd Minicus actually. And, and he was a hot thoroughbred off the track, wild, quirky. And that was really my first taste into the jumper ring. And 
immediately I developed a love for it. Um, I'm so thankful to have had him in my life because he took me around my first children's jumper class, my first junior jumper class, my first young riders competition. I won my first Grand Prix on him. He was my amateur jumper. I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about this horse. And yeah, he he was really a, a very special horse for me. Um, and then there was also Evening Star, who we imported as a five-year-old. And we imported him knowing that he had um, a, a lot of athleticism, but my mom ended up showing him as a hunter and he went around and he was fine but he was just very silly like he would rub his braids out or he <laughs> would you know play around and pull a shoe or something like he just he wasn't very focused in the hunter ring um <laughs> shaking his head here and there and then uh one day I said well let me just let me just try him a little bit here and um we along actually alongside the help with Purina literally transformed him from a hunter into a Grand Prix jumper. Um, mm. They helped, Purina helped me um, develop a new feeding program for him to help develop his muscles. And I was able to take him into my first World Cup qualifier classes. And I was on my first Nations Cup team with him. And he really allowed me to experience the sport at the highest possible level. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of horses in between there um, and a lot of ponies from my childhood mm -hmm. uh, that were also very influential, but those two definitely stand out. Mm -hmm. And you said a couple minutes ago, you know, your heart is in the jumper ring. So what is it about the jumpers that makes you feel that way and gets you just so pumped up to, you know, to ride and do what you do? That's a really good question. Um, I guess. I like the feel of having a clear round, um, the challenge of jumping a bigger fence or a wider fence, um, a Liverpool in open water, a bank, um, just things that are a little bit different. Um, and it's, it's exciting. And I love being able to test myself as well as my horses to see, can we go fast? Can we do that inside turn? Mm -hmm. um, it's, I have so much respect for so many of the top riders and being able to be in the show ring and competing against them and sort of measuring myself, you know, what, what can I do to be faster and how can I try to beat them or, you know, at least come within a few seconds of, of beating them. <laughs> uh, so I just, I think it's the challenge. It's the challenge and it's the adrenaline and it's um, it's the excitement. It's the athleticism of the horse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to uh, keep on the topic of competing, um, can you talk about some of the most important or favorable wins that you've had in your career thus far? Um, as a junior, I had a few national champions for the year in the hunters. Um, and then I was able as a young rider to, to be on a few gold medal teams. Mm 
um, in the Young Writers Competition, which was mm -hmm. absolutely incredible. Um, I don't know that there's necessarily like a huge win that, you know, that I would, I would mention, but I think um, what I try to do is really just find the positive in, in any round. Um, oh, yeah. I, try to, I, I think that, it, I mean, it's such a difficult sport to win. I mean, the reality is that there's one winner for each class and most of the time, um, you, you don't win every class, you know, you don't win even most of the classes. So even though I, I'm having difficulty figuring out necessarily one particular win that is most memorable, what I do is just really try to pick something out of, of each mm -hmm. of the rounds that I've been in and, and try to see that as the success. Yeah, I think absolutely. if I focus too much on winning um, because it's very difficult to do at the top level, um, I think that it, it can be a little bit discouraging at times when you see people that you, that you idolize and it seems like they win all the time, um, but maybe, maybe you don't. So um, I really, you know, try to find victories in each of my rounds, even though it might not have been a, you know, a blue ribbon victory, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, totally. I, you always try to find, especially when you're training horses and you're working towards something and, and their progression, just those little moments, no matter what the, you know, the ribbon is per se, just yeah. pulling those out of each round and it becomes a win, you know? And so sometimes, um, even with a young horse, just getting a flying change in the ring um, feels, feels, you yeah. know, just as good as, as a win. Totally. So. Totally. <laughs> and um, you mentioned a few seconds ago, that if this is a very hard sport, you know? Um, and sometimes we don't win as often as we like, um, or, you know, our expectations aren't met. So how do you deal with um, maybe not doing as well as you may have wanted to? So I think it's something little, that all riders deal with, you know? Yeah, um, it is so important to try to stay positive. And, you know, like I was saying before about just trying to find the small victory in the round. Um, I remember at one point uh, when my mom was was teaching and she was she said to me, um, even if even if everything goes wrong on course, you have to find one thing that was a positive and project that. So I, I do try to think about that because I do ride a lot of green horses and it doesn't always go exactly according to plan. But it is important to say, you know what? they jumped the second jump beautifully, <laughs> for example. <laughs> um, and so, and, and that, that I think is what's really important is focusing on the positive. You can look back at your round and you can, you can learn and, and see like, oh, I should have ridden this line differently. Or, you know, maybe if I had done this, my horse would have jumped like that. Or maybe if I had turned this way, I could have been a little bit faster. Or maybe if my body was different or I held my body better, you know, they wouldn't have cut down behind. Learn from the mistake, but then 
then forget about it and say, you know what? It's all about that second jump. That second jump, the feeling on that second jump was so amazing. And that's the feeling that I'm going to aim toward in my next round for more jumps like that. Um, it's It can be very difficult. And a lot of people do focus on the ribbons. And I try very hard not to. I mean, of course, I go out there and try to win. I mean, that's it, it's nice to win. And that's why we're doing it is to try to be the best that we can in that or be the best in that class. But I guess what I try to whittle it down to, though, is was I the best that I could be that day? And right. maybe in that moment, that was the best of the class. Or maybe in that moment, that was 12th. You know, yeah. I, you know, I, at that point, you know, it's hard to measure yourself against so many different people in so many different scenarios. Um, so I guess I just try to be the best that I can be for myself and for my horse. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. <laughs> and uh, so when you when you are competing, um, do you ever get nervous? I know it's something that a lot of I mean, so many riders, if not all riders deal with and we all handle them differently. I mean, I know I deal with it. Um, so how do you handle any nerves that you might experience? Um, I have a couple of different things that I do, um, depending on the nerves. Like sometimes I can be nervous the night before. So what I will do is actually plan out everything for my day the next day so that I don't have to think about so I don't have to keep asking myself questions of like, did I, did I put the number on my saddle pad? You know, did I make sure that I have the right studs for my horses? Um, right. So I try to at least um, maybe like the night before, make sure my, my clothes are all laid out for the morning. Um, maybe go over with the amazing team that I work with in the barn, um, the plan for the next day. I find that not even relating to the the course itself, having those things sort of taken care of allows me more mental space to right. focus on the course. So mm -hmm. that's one way that I can help deal with my nerves is just making sure that I have a plan um, and that everything is well organized so that when it's time for the class itself, I can just focus on that. Um, in terms of when I walk the course, if there's something that makes me a little bit nervous, maybe the height, maybe a tricky line, um, I will, depending on where I go in the class, if I have the luxury of watching a few, I might watch one or two and then just solidify my own plan mentally and go walk away for a little bit, go for a little walk, do a lot of deep breathing. I um, I have the I have an app where I can do little five minute meditations, which I have done mm -hmm. uh, in between rounds of a jump off, for instance. Um, and I also find that if I can say to myself, you know, as long as these nerves are helping me to be sharper and not helping and not hindering my ride, then right. I'm OK with them. Mm -hmm. Try not. I try not to focus on the fact that I am nervous because if you, I find that if I focus too much on that, then it would hurt my ride. It would change my ride. Yeah. 
Um, but if I can just say, okay, I get it. I'm nervous about this line, but now I feel like this is my plan and I'm going to use my nerves and channel them to make me mm -hmm. ride better, then, you know, hopefully that's the, the best outcome. And what about any superstitions? Like some riders to even help with their nerves, they have routines and superstitions before they go in the show ring or for the show day. Do you have anything like that? I, I do. <laughs> um, I, normally, <laughs> I normally like to adjust the saddle myself, even if it's absolutely perfectly in position. I just, you know, I'll take the girth off and just give it a little shake or something and then um, put the girth back on. And then, um, then when I get on, I like to I like to um, put a little rubber band from the martingale strap to one of the plaits because I, I don't like when the, the martingale moves. But um, yeah. the, the girl that helps me on the ground, her name is Becca. She is phenomenal. And she, she brings a rubber band up to the ring to do it right when I get on so that I can watch it. That's I guess awesome. I don't really know. <laughs> and um, at one point at a show, someone said, oh, you know, I see you're looking for someone. Is there something I can do? And I was like, oh, I was just looking for Becca. I just wanted to get a rubber band. And the woman was like, oh, here, I have one in my pocket. And I was like, I am really sorry, but I can't use your rubber band. Oh, it's my so, gosh, that's too funny. I know. It's so very silly, but um, it, it's just the silliest thing. But, uh, yeah. No, and everyone that, has their thing. Yeah. And um, I do like to match the horse's bonnet and my jacket on on big, like for big classes. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's sort of, I don't, yeah, that's sort of a bit of a superstition now. And each horse has a riding shirt of mine, um, oh, okay. that I like to match with them. <laughs> I know which horses go well with which shirts. <laughs> it sounds, okay, so I love all of those. No, yeah. not at all. It's it great. Sounds, yeah. It sounds so silly to say it out loud, but, um, I guess it's just like a thing that I do. <laughs> No, I mean, we talk to riders all the time that have all funny, funny different superstitions, but you know, whatever works for you, whatever, you know, calms those nerves and gets you feeling good and everyone, everyone has their thing. Yeah, just gets me in the zone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So to get into your training a little bit, I was wondering if you could put into a few, a few words what your training philosophy is. Confidence. Um, with the horse and rider. I mean, that's really everything that I aim toward. Um, I do very basic exercises to build up the trust between the two, the horse and the rider. And then I slowly make them a little bit more challenging. But I, I like to do things in small steps. I call myself an incrementalist. Um, I always like to set <laughs> the horse like up. That. <laughs> yeah, I like to set the horse up for success. And I also find that when you do things in progressive steps, um, they're, they're more open to learning. You're not, you know, you're, you're setting them up to answer the question properly. Um, I don't really like having to go backwards. So I would prefer to just go very slowly forwards. And 
develop uh, the trust between the horse and rider and develop a confident team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, confidence between horse and rider, uh, I think it's hard to, it's, you could you could say it's hard to do anything without that, you know, it's really um, the basis of, of all, all your success, your relationship and the confidence with your horse. And I think once, once you develop that, I, I truly believe there's nothing that the horse won't try for you. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I mean, once your horse has that mutual trust with you, I think that they would go to the most horses would go to the ends of the earth for you. You know, like you mentioned at the at the beginning, um, uh, just making that connection with the horse and seeing them, you know, progress and just having that relationship with them that they will try their heart out for you, you know, every time you go in the ring. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I, do you teach um, I wasn't sure about that yes I do um I have okay. several clients I work uh with my parents still now um and I do teach I, we have clients uh we have some that are with us all year round we have some that we meet just in Florida I have a few that are outside clients that I just see at the shows um mm -hmm. but uh, I do teach and I I do clinic okay. every once in a while <laughs> Okay. Uh, I love teaching. And so how would you describe your teaching style now that we've touched on your training style a little bit? What about teaching? I mean, I feel like it's a, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, I, mm -hmm. you know, whether I'm mentally saying to myself, you know, this is what I'm going to do with my horse to develop that relationship, I would just be verbally expressing it to my clients. Um, this right. is, you know, a, about trying to develop that nice relationship between the two and um, that everyone is learning and growing um, and having fun <laughs> and having fun. That's really mm -hmm. that's really important. It, it has to be fun um, or you're not going to want to do it. And neither are the horses. Yeah. And uh, when you are teaching students, do you ever find that there's one thing that a lot of students or even yourself like need to work on that some, maybe something people like skip over or struggle with just one thing that people really need to focus on? That's a good question. Um, I feel like everyone has a different something to work on and I find that what's very interesting is what I what I end up working on within myself is what I project um, to my clients meaning that you know maybe one day i'm i'm working on even something as simple as trotting a line of poles trotting in and walking out and being able to do that in a straight line um, mm -hmm. it sounds like it's easy but it's really not and so maybe if i'm working on that one day then that's the lesson i will also bring to my clients um i'm really into serpentines right now so i've been doing a lot of serpentines mm -hmm. with my own horses and so i've been bringing serpentines into my lessons now. I don't know that there's necessarily one thing, um, but uh, I would say there's just a, a, a variety of different things to work on, but I would say it all boils down to just being, um, being proficient with the basics. Mm -hmm. 
and you kind of did touch on it there, or at least for right now, you said you like serpentine. So that kind of goes into my next question about a favorite exercise or any type of work that you think is really important and why you do think it is so important. Yeah, I do a lot of pole work, a lot of mm -hmm. pole work. Um, I find that, you know, you can you can achieve the same results over the poles as you can when you're jumping, only it's less taxing on the horse mentally and physically. Um, and yeah, so I do a ton of pole work. Um, yeah, I love, I'm into, I'm into, uh, serpentines right now and transitions. <laughs> um, I actually don't do a whole lot of jumping, but recently, um, I've been very into, uh, Luciana Dinids. She does, she's a Portuguese slash Brazilian rider and she is phenomenal. And I love her training her training style and she does little Tuesday exercises. So every once in a while I'll set up a gymnastic that she had set up um, and practice something like that. And actually on a side note, during COVID um, when everything was shut down, I started doing the 101 jumping exercises for horses and riders. And um, I was demonstrating each one of them and then sort of talking about what I felt or how I felt it worked with my horse or um, what I liked about it. And uh, the book is um, is by Linda Allen. Anyway, it's, a, it's an incredible book. And then when we started showing again, unfortunately, I, I only made it up to exercise, I think, 84 and someone reminded me yesterday that, still. <laughs> that I should probably finish that. Um, but I found that to be very enjoyable. Also, great reminders of different exercises and and different um, things that you should be able to do with your horse that seem very easy, like walking a pole on the ground. But if you break it down, <laughs> if you break it down, it's actually pretty difficult to to walk a straight line. Yeah, no, I, I totally, it's always the, it's always the little things that get you, isn't it? <laughs> um, and just a couple more questions here. Um, I love to ask this one and uh, I get all kinds of different answers and uh, sometimes I get people who don't even know how to answer this question, um, but I always love to ask, why do you think you've been so successful as a rider? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I, I, I just feel like I still have so very much to learn. Um, I, I'm thankful for the successes that I've had in the past, but I don't know, I guess I'm a little hard on myself in that I feel like I have so much further to go. So, um, I don't know, I guess it's just my, my will to to keep learning. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think because I, every day is a, is a new day. I mean, I, I can ride the same horse for two years and I mean, every day there's something a little bit different. So I think it's yeah. just the, the, um, eagerness to, to understand which horse I'm on today and, and how I can better, myself and better the horse. I'm really appreciative of the team, the team at our farm. 
um, the, the people that I get to work with every day um, who do such a phenomenal job with the horses, um, my parents, my the support of my husband, um, the support of my sponsors <clears throat> and my owners, um, Stephanie Bolger, QBS Equestrian. I mean, any successes that I've had are, are really everyone's success because I, I really couldn't do any of this without all of those working parts. Yeah, absolutely. As much as riding as an individual sport, it really is so much the team behind you. It is. And people joke that it takes a village, but um, it really does. And really I does. am so thankful for the village that we have. <laughs> That's wonderful. And um, we touched on this a little bit earlier, um, saying that this sport is this sport, excuse me, is such a hard one. And what would you say is the hardest part for you? You know, there's all different kinds, like um, physically, emotionally, financially. Um, you know, people struggle with this sport in different ways. I'm wondering, um, what do you think is the hardest part of this sport? That's another good question. Um, there are a lot of challenging parts to this sport, for sure. Um, for me, I think that sometimes I can be my own worst enemy. So the psychological part of, of riding um, can be something that I deal with. I have a sports psychologist that I talk to, and she really helps me out tremendously. Um, and then in turn, I'm able to portray some of those thoughts that um, we have spoken about, you know, into my lessons, into my own clients and really try to keep everybody on a very positive plane. Um, of course, financially, it's it's a very expensive sport. And I'm just I'm just so grateful that I've had the support of my family and and also a few people that have invested in horses for me. And mm -hmm. I, I just, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Um, and I think a lot of people would agree uh, with the psychological part of it. I think a lot of us riders find ourselves uh, being our own worst enemies sometimes. It's so uh, easy to be hard on yourself in this sport. Uh, so I totally understand that. It is. And I think that's why when I was talking earlier, um, you know, about the fact that we you can't really win every class out there, even though online <laughs> it always seems like in social media, some people are. But I don't really <laughs> think that everyone is. Um, yeah. but it, it is. Um, it is so important to find the successes in in each round. and and not just be upset with the fact that, you know, you didn't win or maybe you were second and you thought you should have won or, you know, whatever the case may be. The, the sport is so tricky because you can be totally on one day and your horse having an off day and vice versa, yeah. you know, your horse could be coming out ready to win and, you know, you could have some things going on that, you you know, you're, you can't really deal with properly and maybe you don't ride your best. So um, 
you know, again, just appreciating um, when things do go well, whether or not that means a blue ribbon, um, it is, it's important to really, uh, to really keep that all in perspective. Yeah. So just wrapping up here, I'm curious, what's next for you? What's on your calendar going forward? So more recently moving forward, I am going to do some indoor shows. Um, it's been yeah. a while since <laughs> it's been a while since I've done um, indoors and I've only I've done the um, FEI at the National Horse Show just two other times. So I'm really excited to to bring two horses that I haven't yet shown indoors. So I think that um, I'm really excited about that. I think that's going to be a challenge. I know that they have shown indoors, but I haven't. Uh, or I'm sorry, I haven't on them. So right. I think that's sort of the next part of our development as a team is is learning each other in a different scenario. Um, so I'm excited about that. And I did get uh, another young horse, a, a six-year-old that I I just adore. So I'm really excited to to start working with her and do her in a couple of um, smaller classes, just starting out and seeing mm -hmm. what I'm going to have for for the Florida circuit. Very exciting stuff. It, it's it is really exciting, and I I think that's also what what keeps me so motivated is. Um, is just what's what's next. You know, what can I do to further myself as a rider? What can I do to further the horses in their careers? And um, it's it's pretty cool when when I I really do feel like um, where the horses have helped my own career. I believe that I've also I I like to think that I've been a positive presence in their career as well. Oh, you certainly have. You certainly have. <laughs> I'm just wrapping up here, but is there anything that you'd like to add before we finish this call? Um, I just, uh, yeah, I just thank you so much for, for having me and um, asking me to do this. It was really fun to do, and I hope that anyone listening got something positive out of it. Um, I guess that what I'd just like to say is that for, for anybody um, who is out there and working with horses and whatever the capacity is, just keep trying no matter what, um, keep going. And even when things don't seem to be going the right way, just keep pushing and, um, and, and everything will come around. And I know that sounds a little bit Zen-like, but it, it just does. I mean, that's just the way the sport goes. It has its ups and downs and we just have to keep staying positive and keep um, lifting each other up. You know, everyone be supportive of each other. Yeah, that's a very important part of all of it. Well, thank you so much again for hopping on with me. It was so wonderful to get to know you. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode with Heather Caristo-Williams and a big thank you to the sponsor of this week's episode, Purina. Learn more at purinamills.com and put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. You can subscribe to the Practical Horseman podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. 
While you're there, please rate and review the show. Also, tune into our mini-sode series, The Fod Pod, where you'll hear audio lessons from our favorite Practical Horseman On Demand clips. At Practical Horseman On Demand, you can enjoy hundreds of how-to videos and get insider access to exclusive interviews and lectures, slow motion demonstrations, and step-by-step tutorials taught by top-level pros in the hunter, jumper, equitation, and eventing disciplines. When you tune into the FOD pod, listen closely for a promo code for 15% off your Practical Horseman on-demand subscription. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. I'm Julia Murphy, and you've been listening to the Practical Horseman Podcast.